Welcome to This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. We all know someone with a battle. This weekly podcast is where I talk with everyday Australians as they share their life-changing moments. Some of these stories are sad, but all of them are inspiring. In this episode, we hear Ada's story. When I first met Ada about two years ago, Mm -hmm. we were running and training for um, one of us a marathon the other a half marathon and we trained as a small group yeah and at the time ada was siron so my name is ada and and i'm a transgender woman there's some stains on your photo they all cracks on your rusty frame how far are you into your transition so i am just about 12 months on hormones, right, which is one of the milestones that a lot of trans people use. But um, I think perhaps the more meaningful one to me is in late June 2017. That was when I came out to the world um, as Ada. I told the world, I'd made my Facebook post telling people I came out at work and um, I just asked everyone from that point onwards to recognise me as Ada and um, that that was probably the big milestone. So when I get to June this year and I hit 12 months of being myself full-time everywhere to everyone, I think that's going to be a big, a big celebrating point for me, a big milestone. So let's get back to your childhood and being a boy. When did you start to feel that you weren't quite, would you say, in the right body? No, so that was never my experience of being in the wrong body, Mm -hmm. but it was more an experience of being betrayed by my body. And as I got older, it became a sense of disconnection from my body so my body became not me it became something that I kind of drove around and existed in as a sort of vehicle almost so I lost that sense of of connection with my body but as a child I first gained awareness of my my struggles in a in a physical sense rather than a social sense the social stuff came as well but my first awareness of it was the sort of physical um, process of puberty doing things to me that I didn't want and I didn't like and I had no control over my voice changed uh, I started to develop body hair you know I started to have um, erections and things like that that I just I wanted nothing to do with any of it right and um, you know it was around that that age of 11 and 12 when that whole sort of process started and um, I probably make it sound sort of stronger there than it actually was at the time. This was a this was a gradual awareness and a gradual process as my puberty sort of came through. It wasn't like this sudden awareness of I hate everything about puberty and I hate everything about my body. It it, it was a slow sense of my body growing further away from me over time. So my first I was actually I was at a swimming carnival and with this was early high school and I was with a couple of my friends and I was looking at some girls 
walking by, chatting to each other or something, and I said to my friends, isn't it so unfair that they get to be born girls and we have to be born boys? My friends just looked at me like, what do you want about? And, and that was my first realization that, hang on, wait, not everyone wants to be a girl? I, I, I don't understand. I just assumed everyone wanted to be a girl. Um, and that was, um, that was quite a moment. Um, but from those sorts of experiences, I just learned not to tell anyone and not to talk about it. Right? I definitely had an awareness somewhere through high school it started and it got worse. But, you know, when, when they would separate classes into boys and girls or girls and boys events or sports or whatever, I felt that awareness that I want to be with him. I want to be in that group, not this group. I had pushed my closest friends um, away, you know, I was in a relationship, um, I was dating uh, a lady, but I couldn't be there in that relationship, I couldn't be there emotionally, um, there, are, there are other elements around sexuality, which is another t another topic, but, um, but there were, emotionally I couldn't connect, I couldn't be there for her, I couldn't be there for my friends, what I couldn't do was actually connect with people as a person because I was dead inside. I had nothing to give because I had nothing left. So who was the first person that you ever told? Was it yourself? No, actually. Um, so I... When I was talking to um, my my ex, we were just had just started dating, I think, at the time, and we were sitting down having a coffee, and we had a, a quite a deep and meaningful conversation just about about things, and um, I made the comment to her at the time that um, as uh, as a kid, as a teenager, I used to go to bed of an evening, and I would just wish and dream and hope that I could wake up magically as a girl, right? And um, she knew what that meant. She took from that moment mm -hmm. that I'm transgender. I didn't realise that, right? I didn't realise what I was saying to her. This was just a thought and an experience that had been with me my whole life. It's always there. But I still hadn't got to the point where I could acknowledge what it meant. But she understood and she knew, and um, I don't think I don't think um, perhaps either of us understood exactly how things would go from there and what it would mean. But um, but, but but she knew. So when I came out to her um, formally last year, she was the one person who said to me, "Yeah, I already know. You already told me." Was that emotional? Um, it was very very emotional. Um, um, because it was, it was, I guess, the first time anyone else had seen it, you know, had seen me, who had known who I was, um, um, and had that recognised. And um, my sort of, she has been um, a very strong supporter. We we have our issues and we bump heads about um, how we raise our son and, and all the various things, you know, um, 
um, we, we separated uh, many years ago, but um, we, we uh, she has been an incredibly strong supporter of my transition and my identity, even through the other bumps and ups and downs. I used to live in Harvey Bay and I moved to Brisbane and um, one of my housemates at the time, um, we went to school together in Harvey Bay and we were going to uni together and um, we lost contact with each other um, after we after we sort of moved on. But we were both living in that house together and he has since come out as transgender as well. And we were both living in that house together. We were both struggling with this. Neither of us knew. Neither of us knew the other was struggling with it. And I just, you know, I can't help but look back at that and say, does that mean something? And those four people in my life that have come out as transgender, that have crossed my paths, two of them right when, when I most needed them, right? They weren't doing it for me, but the timing just made my journey um, possible. If you didn't have that experience with the two people, mm. we said it was when at your most, yes. uh, one of your toughest times, you're yeah. like, what would happen if that didn't happen? Where were you at? Um, I, 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 I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's not good though. Inside myself, I was um, quite emotionally cut off. I didn't feel pleasure, I didn't feel joy, I didn't feel happiness, I didn't feel jealousy, I didn't feel anything except for anger and um, sometimes really strong anger. Most people never got to see that anger. It was, only, it was only when I was at home that it broke through and it was never directed at my son, but. Um, I lost my temper in front of him uh, so many times. And the, the, that anger uh, and that pain was just, I had no control over it. I couldn't, I couldn't stop it. I couldn't do anything about it. I had no passion for life. I had no, um, I had no anything I was just going through the motions and um, and that's where I was and if my friends hadn't have hadn't have come out and been there for me and opened those doors for me and kicked them in for me um, I'd have gone on like that for I don't know how long because I at that point um, I was I was 40 years old and I'd known since I was 11 in one way or another, I had known my gender identity was um, a struggle, even though I didn't have the label for it, I, I, I was struggling with it. Having those doors opened for me, I, I've, I've said, to him, uh, said to my friend that he very likely saved my life. I don't think I can ever make someone else understand that who hasn't experienced it. When I made the decision to start coming out to people and I made the decision to transition and to ultimately look at medical and social transition, when I made that decision within myself, it was like a light switch. I found myself overwhelmed with emotions. I was crying during movies and 
I had this wonderful experience of watching of watching Logan of all things, right? Um, a superhero movie, and there's a sad scene at the end. myself with tears running down my face in this movie and I'm like what's what's this I have tears running down my face for for a superhero movie I was overcome by this sense of happiness that I was experiencing real emotions and it was just a movie but they were still very real emotions and I was happy and sad at the same time and I'm like I'd I've never experienced anything like that before, you know, like that that's a an emotional complexity that I just walled myself off from and this is not hormones or anything like that. This is before I've started that um journey. This is just my own mental roadblocks being removed. I feel like a complete person instead of a partial person now. So, um it's it, it makes a huge amount of difference, but now that I've got here, now that I've I've done what I needed to do, I'm I'm here. I'm me. I'm happy. And um, the only question is why it took me so long. <laughs> Are you close with your own mother? Yes, well, I'm actually much closer to her now than um, than I have been at any point. She's always supported me, but when I first came out to her, she supported me in a way that it was like if you said to your mother, um, hey, I just cheated on my partner or I just stole money from my job and I'm going to go to jail, right? It had that feel of she was absolutely going to support me. It didn't matter what I did, but she was having trouble being happy for me. So she was worried and concerned and I think I was three or four months into my transition I'd started hormones by this point and um, she said to me she said I've been sitting here waiting for this physical transition to take place I've been waiting for you to change and to become Ada but I've realized that I've been waiting for the wrong thing because it's the mental change is already there it's it's already happened I only have to look at the person you are now to the person you are three months ago and how much happier you are and how much more confident you are. Do you regret waiting until now? Um, yes and no. I often look back and um, I see young sort of teenagers and young adults who even even young kids who who are able to explore and express their their gender um, identity and they're able to sort of go through this process of discovery openly um, while they try and work out who they are um, and they're able to do that supported and it's hard not to be jealous of that it's hard not to look at them and say I wish I'd have had the opportunities that that you have because you get to find out who you are really early and you get to live as yourself authentically from the moment you know who that is and that's an amazing thing. The world was very different when I was younger. Um, uh, me coming out um, me coming out when I was uh, a teenager or a young adult 
it's just it would have been a very very different experience the world was less accepting and more intolerant as a child I had um, and when I say child I mean I was 12 13 something like that puberty had just started my gender stuff had started to make itself known to me and um, I used to I used to get tape right and I used to try and do what they call tucking right so I used to try and push and squash everything up and then tape it all into place so that I could put a pair of um, undies on and I could look in the mirror and I could see the body shape that I expected to see the body shape that I didn't have I could actually see that in the mirror and um, that is one of those things that I it's going to bring me there'll be no underwear this involved this time but I'm going to get naked I'm going to stand in front of a mirror after surgery I'm going to look at my body and see it the way it exists in my head and I'm gonna have myself a big cry <laughs> um, because it is going to it's going to make me remove one of those elements of discomfort one of those things that I have struggled with that's always been there I saw my GP um, the first time I saw him I actually chickened out at the end of it <laughs> um, and um, is this the GP you've always had this is the GP I've yeah. always had because I had no idea uh, how to proceed with this I didn't know who I needed to talk to I didn't know what my options were the first time I saw him, um, I chickened out, but I had to come back for some test results a couple of weeks later. So I went back and I saw him again, and I didn't chicken out this time. I told him, um, and I came out to him, and uh, he referred me to um, a, a doctor that specialises in uh, gender and sexual health. Um, and I saw her a few weeks later, and that was the start of that particular part of my journey. And you've got, um, I'm not, you've got boobs. Now. I do, yes. Yeah. I have boobs. I have, I have um, a waist. It changes everything. It's quite, quite amazing the difference it makes. It's almost yeah. like going through puberty. It, it, it literally is. Um, uh, I've made that joke to my son, you know, I said, um, hey, guess what? We get to go through puberty together. <laughs> he just rolled his eyes at me. So. How old is your son? He's 12, um, going on 20. I told him... Um, on April 1st last year I, I came out to my son on April Fool's Day that was perhaps <laughs> perhaps not my smartest move but thankfully neither of us realized at the time that that's what the day was but yeah did you plan to do like did you did it just happen in a conversation that you told him or did no, you plan it all I, I planned it because so March 31st is the transgender day of visibility right um, and that is a day designed to raise awareness of transgender people um, and it's meant as a as a celebration of transgender people and the things we've achieved so I use that day um, to to talk to my son um, I didn't come out to him at that time but I just talked to him uh, to see what his knowledge of transgender identities was like if what he what he understood and what he didn't and um, he you know he was very um, very well educated certainly a lot more than I was at his age yeah um, 
And yeah, there was a few little minor misconceptions that he had, but he was fundamentally across the the idea already. Um, he was familiar with transgender people, and um, he was very evidently accepting. And um, then I came out to him the next day, which was April the 1st. He was... Um, I, well, I was going to say incredibly accepting, but that's not that's not the right the not the right way to phrase it because it was almost like a non-event to him. He uh, he said, "Okay, well, I have two questions." He said, um, "What does this mean? I have to call you, or you know, what would you like to be called?" And um, he said, "And what about your voice?" Right. And those were his two questions. Like, it's like he didn't uh, he didn't have any concerns. He just wanted to know a couple of practical things about what this would mean and that has been um, his experience and my experience since then you know anything that he has had any discussions we've had have been around purely practical things like what he calls me is something that we went through a bit of um discussion about and took a while before we we um ultimately settled on him calling me ada he's told his uh he's told his school friends um he didn't even tell me after he'd told his school friends because it was such a non-event that it never occurred to him to tell me. And that, what, what did his friends say? Well, I don't know because when I said to him, um, I said to him at one point, we were going to meet one of his friends and um, I said to him that this friend, do they know that I'm transgender? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, um, he will know potentially after we've met, you know, are you okay with that? And he's like, oh yeah, he won't mind. And I said, well... The other consideration is that he might tell your other friends, right? And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, they already know. And um, I'm oh, okay, when did that happen? He's like, I don't know, ages ago. So you decided not on mum? Yeah, so um, for a long time he was calling me dad. And I said to him at the time, you can call me whatever you're comfortable with. Um, you can call me um dad if you don't want to call me dad you don't have to you can call me dad and then if it stops being comfortable you can change it i i don't mind i'm going to ask everyone else in the world to change how they refer to me but you get a special exemption you get to call me whatever you're comfortable with and um ultimately he kept calling me dad and um it was my ex-partner um uh, morrison's um, birth mother who um who had sat down and had a chat with him and said, uh, you know, when you call Ada dad, um, that call causes some other people to call her sir and mm -hmm. things like that. And he had that realisation uh, that, that that was something that I was uncomfortable with. So he came back to me and he said, okay, so would you prefer that I called you mum? Would you prefer that I called you Ada? And I said, well, you can't call me mum because mum's already mum. But I said, you know, we can come up with um, another another term if you like, or you can just call me Ada if you prefer. And he said, yeah, I, I would just call you Ada. For a little while, he um, he struggled with it. But um, I talked to him about that, and he said, no, it's just it's just calling you by your first name is quite quite weird. Yeah. And he said, but he said, but that's okay. I'll get used to it. He was worried about how I was feeling through this whole thing. He was 
supportive and amazing and he um yeah he he makes my heart happy it's lovely so ada do you have a partner at the moment uh no i don't that's its own dilemma for me at the moment so um sexuality is one of those things that people often bundle in with transgender identities so when someone comes out and says i'm transgender the first question they get asked so often is so does this mean like well if you're a trans woman does this mean you're into guys now and if you're a trans man does this mean you're into women now you know um and the answer is no people's sexuality generally doesn't change if it it might expand they might um, get a sort of broader interest in people, but as a general rule, the f- people they, they, they were interested in, it doesn't change. But then there's me. I'm not alone. There are there are a few people that, that go through this, but it's just relatively uncommon. But my own experience of it was um, my sexuality has done effectively a, a 180 um, turnaround. I have been attracted to women uh, my whole life, and now I find myself... Um, purely attracted to men and I'm still trying to sort of come to terms with what that means for me and my life and how I go forward here because I had no expectation this was going to happen I didn't think this was going to be a thing but it is that's a little bit exciting yes (laughs) we'll um we'll see but you know at the moment as well while I'm still transitioning and my body's still not where I want it to be and you know I'm still at the point where I think I could be comfortable being naked and intimate with someone just yet. So future Ada yes. has surgery. Yes, again. yes, the the surgery. Yes. yes. So I'm really yes. curious to know how your thoughts are. Um, what they're actually going to do. This is a question you normally shouldn't ask a trans person you, because um, it's a very personal experience and it's a very something that a lot of people aren't comfortable discussing. Um, now, I mean, you and I have discussed this before the interview, so you know I've made it quite clear that I'm happy to talk about this. In August this year, I have a genital reconstruction surgery. Um, so they're going to, uh, as one of my uh, one of my uh, friends uh, phrases it, they're going to turn my outie into an innie, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's really important to me. But yeah, in terms of what they're actually going to do, um, they um, basically reuse everything down there in one way or another, um, and reshape things. And um, at the end, I. Uh, we'll end up with um, uh, a fully functioning real deal, you know. So um, I will be able to do pretty much anything any other woman can. So that will be um, a pretty big point in my life. Can I ask? You can ask. More detail? Yeah, absolutely. So can you orgasm? Yes. So <laughs> that's actually more to do with hormones than anything else. <laughs> My mood plays on things a lot more. If I'm not in the right headspace, if I'm just going through the motions, it doesn't work. So that's all very, very different. So will you, when you go to the bathroom, mm. you will be sitting on the toilet? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. I, well, I have no choice afterwards. Um, but I am... I don't know what it is yet, but I, I, I have to find something suitably momentous 
and it can be the last thing I pee against standing up. And I don't know what that is yet, but I'm going to find something and have a bit of a celebration and a last hurrah, you know. There's some stains on your photo They all cracks on your rusty frame Q-Life is here for you. QLive provides anonymous and free LGBTI peer support and referral for people in Australia wanting to talk about sexuality, identity, gender bodies, feelings or relationships. The QLive family includes hundreds of highly experienced staff and volunteers Australia-wide. If you're looking to connect with someone to explore what's going on in your life, they are there. Call one 800 184527 or go online to qlife.org.au